Welcome to the Genre Hustle, your virtual sci-fi fantasy writers group. I'm Anton. I'm Jane. I'm Chris. I'm Lucy. I'm Chelsea. I'm AP. And I'm Carter. And this is the end of season three. We made it. We made it. Wow. Barely. Barely. It was very close. And today we're talking about our favorite things. We're calling this our greats and gripes. We've been reading and we've got things to say. We have things to say. So AP, uh, we're going to start with you. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for that lovely introduction, (laughs) Anton. Um, I'm trying to be a little more positive at the end of these seasons. You know, season one and two, I had a lot of nasty things to say. (laughs) You're stepping out of your comfort zone. I'm a hateful man. (laughs) Critical. (laughs) Thank you, Chelsea. Exactly. A thinking. So with that in mind, I'm going to focus on a great. And actually, this comes because I've been re-listening to Joe Abercrombie, one of my favorite authors, and something he does and something that I've enjoyed in other pieces, like The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan, is when I get to experience a scene from several different points of view, and each point of view gives me a much wider picture of what's going on, so I'm like being let in on the secret about what's going on in the scene, even as I see the POV characters struggling with what's going on. So they're misinterpreting what they're saying. They're, you know, confused about something, but I know what's going on. And it's, it's like, I get to be in the club. I get to know what's happening. And it, it's just an amazing feeling when that gets done. And he does mm-hmm. it so well. He well, he does a lot of things. Really Your well. lines are so powerful for stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And they create such a sense of intimacy. I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. As yeah. if you are, and you alone are the person that's, that knows everything. That it's like, oh, it's, it's great. Yeah. I love being smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading the story last night in Interzone, and it reminded me of one of my favorite things about writing, uh, when an author can subvert your expectations and really surprise you with a character. Mm-hmm. And the story is about this assassin that uses these little bugs to kill people. It's called The Palimpist Trigger by David Cleden. And he, you're, you're given this assassin and you, I guess with that, make certain assumptions about what assassins would be thinking. And then he goes on to describe the way that this, this man lets this little bug into the room. And for some reason on that day, he decides to stick around and watch this bug do its damage to, to the victim. Mm-hmm. And so it's very sinister and you think, oh, this, this little bug is crawling across this room. It's heading towards the victim. And all of a sudden, it gets on top of him, and it does this little kind of beautiful dance before it, it kind of weaves its, its poison. And it just completely surprises you because you think this is such a sinister situation, but yet there is this weird, dark beauty in it. That's cool. Uh, and I love, I love that. I love when authors can find surprising emotions in the opposite situation, yeah. I suppose is what I'm trying to say. And I hate the opposite of that too. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, well, because you know the obvious would have been here. You have an assassin; he's going to be thinking really evil, angry thoughts, and that's so obvious to read. So I, I just love it when yeah. you can get the opposite. Mm. Yeah, Chris, what about you? So I thought a lot about my greats. <laughs> I was also trying to be on the happy train all, all during the season, but um, mine is. Essentially, I can't lie. It's basically a love letter to one particular book that I <laughs> recently read. Um, so um, it's by Cameron Hurley, and it's called "The Stars Are Legion." Um, I loved so many things about this, but the thing that I really loved this she did something that every time this happens, and every time I come across this in a book, I'm just 
flabbergasted by how skillful the writer is and always like it's just so inspiring to me but so it's basically a space opera i'm not gonna give many spoilers out but i'm reading the book i'm a couple chapters in and all of a sudden she's just been dropping the story in there with the plot and the world and all of a sudden i realized there's no males in this entire universe and what was great about it is it doesn't matter what the thing is that they drop in there or that you realize but the fact that I, she allows allowed the reader to kind of figure it out without mm-hmm. just saying putting it in some awkward dialogue for some character say Bob have you noticed <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are no men here exactly hey, when was the last time you talked to a man huh <laughs> totally but like and so for me what's so great about it is just like I'm it was just immediately just I'm like Oh, I'm so I was so inspired to like I'm like I need to just write so much better <laughs> you know what I mean but like yeah. do you ever have those moments yeah. and it's oh, just yeah. like uh, you're, totally. you're simultaneously like oh that's so I'm so not good enough and then you're like I'm going to aspire to that yeah. and so like I've been kind of fired up about it since I read the book is, is the fact that there's no men in the universe is that like a big plot point in the book or is um, it more like a detail that it's like, more it's again without spoilers it's it's somewhere in between there it's yeah. important for the plot but it's it's in some ways but it doesn't it's not what the book is about absolutely not and there's so many other cool things about this universe that yeah. she also does the same thing with like including like the ships and stuff that are in this space opera you, you quickly realize just through the story that they're actually biological kind of and it's like it's amazing i love some mm-hmm. biotechnology that's that's always good i'm always good for it's that always an as easy well. sell for me I think that speaks back to what um, Lucy and AP were talking about with POV, because of course, from the POV of characters in the universe, it wouldn't occur to them to ever mention or note that, you know, right? That there are no men. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Good morning, another day without men. (laughs) So, yeah, so it's, yeah, I love it when when writers are able to do that too. It's so It just flowed so naturally. And it's just like, I'm like all of the, all the, things we talk about on the podcast, all the craft issues, all of it comes together. And it's like this masterpiece of like writing where you're just like, Oh yes, you did it. (laughs) You did the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's very vague, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone. Sounds awesome. (laughs) You're swept away. I'm going to read that. I love when stuff is good. That's like my favorite. I hate when it's bad. That is my great. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much sums it up. Thank you, Carter. So I was thinking a lot about um, characters and social structures. Um, I think we, especially in certain mm, genres or subgenres of fantasy, I guess, I've read a lot of stories and I've written a story um, where the main character is essentially an orphan. Right. And orphans have their place, like Oliver Twist, straight up, of Batman. course. Yeah. Right. They have their <laughs> place. But I also feel like when you make a character an orphan, um, you miss an opportunity to really show how their familial and sort of social structures might impact them. Um, and you can still make them an isolated character or a character in crisis, even if they have a family. Um, and in fact, I think it can be even more interesting if you show that this person might still even love their family and their family loves them. And yet they're still isolated because there are fundamental differences about them or they don't get along or what have you. And a book that I finished recently that I totally love for many, many reasons, but one of the things that she does really well 
um, is show a character who's in crisis, who still has friends and family and cousins. um, And yet, you know, she's going through this terrible time, and you can totally understand why she's so isolated. Um, And that's Tess of the Road by Rachel Hartman. Um, And yeah, I just ended up falling in love with this poor character who goes through so much. And it's the social structures in some ways that actually put the pressure on this character and kind of force this really awesome character arc um, throughout the course of the story. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, I think sometimes when I'm like writing a character, I don't necessarily make them an orphan, but I just like leave out their parents like yeah. they're, they're out of the picture Same and like here. they they don't have silly i don't know if i've ever written a character with siblings i need i should like think about that yeah <laughs> I, think I, just, I just write adults so it doesn't even come into line I'm like yeah parents who cares like, yeah so, carter that'll be your writing goal for next season yeah yeah give my characters families <laughs> <laughs> i think it's just an interesting other way because i've done that too like my first novel trader's daughter she had everything stripped away from her and you know and maybe that was right for the story but i also think all too often that's where i personally will go to when i'm trying to write that kind of character and i realize that that's i don't have to do that anymore yeah and it's like a lot of like other things is you don't want to use not having parents like as a as a plot device unless you can like really do the work of like exploring like what it means to the character yeah i mean you you can't make it cliche yeah I think that's a great point. I'm not going to start talking about Harry Potter because that's not allowed yeah. anymore. But yeah. <laughs> no, we're over that. Yeah. We're, we're <laughs> so my great uh, is an orphan. So shots fired. <laughs> oh, 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 oh my goodness! Both of the okay. So is, all right. Is it, oh. is it is it Harry Potter? <laughs> no. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so here on board the happy train, uh, I want to talk about <laughs> the the thing the thing that brings me into books, and that's mouthy protagonists mm. harry dresden an orphan <laughs> gideon the ninth by tamson muir she's an orphan but mm. sense like, of pattern she, but she is but she is surrounded by people and social structures i'm not going to spoil anything about the book but i am willing to forgive a multitude of sins for like it, and they, they it's not just it, it's not enough for them to just be foul-mouthed like, you know, I, I want a character who, who's, you know, opinionated about the world around them and for that voice and that opinion to inform the tone of the book. Um, like, Gideon spends a, a large chunk of the book under a vow of silence. And so, like, for the first act, she is just spouting off at people. She has these porn mags and she, like, tries to offer them to somebody to get, like, to to do something. And then later says, well, I only read them for the articles, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, but then later she spends a good chunk of the book under a vow of silence. But she her inner voice is so active and she, like, she just names this guy the mayonnaise uncle. Oh, and you have yeah. to, like, because no. he's the color of mayonnaise. Yes. And so then once she is not under the vow of science, she continues to refer to him as Mayne's uncle throughout the rest of the book, <laughs> which is hilarious because like, he's like a, he's a necromancer of like, of like unsurpassed power and just really chilling. But you know, she just, she just carves everyone around her down a peg nice. by referring to him as the Mayne's uncle. Um, so when I was thinking about this, the, the inverse of this is actually a problem for me in my own writing because I find that when I don't have a strong concept for a main character, like when I start idea first instead of character first, that's usually when I tend to burn out 
on an idea or like a story just doesn't get its legs. Yeah. Oh, mm. interesting. Yeah. So yeah. like, I'm just having to learn, like, I write characters first. And I know that plot is important. Plot is the thing that happens to characters. But it's always characters that bring me to writing and into worlds. It makes me interested in it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's a great insight, especially about your own process, I think. Hey, season three. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning here on The Happy we are Train. learning. I think I agree, though. Like, I'll, I'll follow, like, a, a cool character through, like, whatever meandering, structureless plot. It, uh, to me, like, characters definitely come first, like, as a reader. I don't know if I, like, focus on them enough in my own writing i mean clearly since i don't even like give them moms and dads <laughs> <laughs> or siblings yeah but like definitely like as a reader if if the character has a compelling voice and if like the the narrative voice is like i don't know i i what did you call it mouthy yeah mouthy yeah, yeah mouthy is good for me too definitely and and i can i i can hang with like a plot that doesn't follow like a strict like three act seven point structure or something if if the character is like along for the ride with me or something like that yeah like i, I just i recently went back through a bunch of the dresden files uh, by jim butcher and just realizing like mm, these books aren't as good as i thought they were when i They're not as bad first as you remembered them. him exactly but like that character is still so fun and all the characters around him are still so fun that i'm willing to like sign up for the ride anyway yeah, the voice in those books is very strong. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I could probably tell you no story plots that I've read from books, but I could tell you about characters. Oh, that yeah. I yeah, 100%. What, what That's they a were like, but I couldn't recount details of the mystery of whatnot, which I think says everything about why we read, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess mine's like kind of, uh, speaking of characters, um, this is, I'm going to just be a nerd for a second, uh, if I may. <laughs> for on a the, second? On my, what? Yeah, for just it, one second? Yeah, keep yeah. it short. Wait, on this my, is a very serious podcast. On my, on my genre fiction podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one thing that I think is super cool is um, when you have a character who levels up over the course of the story. And I think what I really like is, especially when you get to see a character kind of rise through the ranks of like an organization or institution or something, especially if it's like a fucked up organization. Mm. Um, Just because it like, I don't know, it can, it's a cool way I think to like connect, especially with like anti-hero type characters or even with villains, because you end up sort of like rooting for them to get more power and influence, even if you don't agree with their morality or like who they are as a person like ap used the joe abercrombie example and like it's so cool seeing glock to like rank up in the inquisition through those books like even though everything that he's doing is like ranging from questionable to super evil like you you still like (laughs) totally root for him because like it's like he's like kind of struggling to like rise up in his little world and it's like relatable even though like yeah, I mean, a, his first line is, why do I do this? Yeah, totally. It's like, oh, man. Yeah, it's like, it. it's almost like having a desk job or something. But, like, <laughs> your desk job is to torture people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are people to be tortured on your desk. Yeah. The and other... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, uh, the other cool thing that, that it, uh, the opportunity affords you as a writer is that you can show kind of aspects of an organization as somebody's going to go through it. And so you can see, like, okay, that training sergeant who was a real dick before may have actually had a point. Yeah, and totally. I, I think another really good example of that, to use a super well-known one again, is uh, like when you see Jon Snow like rank up in the Night's Watch in mm. Game of Thrones. It's What's like, Game of Thrones? 
I don't know. You, you probably haven't heard of it. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's super a niche. underground. It's a niche. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a small show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> um, or like I just reread uh, Dawn by Octavia Butler uh, last month or so. And like you see Lilith basically go from being like kidnapped by these aliens to like they end up basically making her like the leader of the next like brood of humans as she like and it like ends up being her job to like teach them everything that the aliens have like going on for all these humans that they've basically kidnapped slash rescued it's super cool um so she goes from like totally confused and clueless to like basically re-educating like a new like bunch of people and it's like really cool to watch or like another example uh AP's work in progress, Rat, which I just beta read. I mean, you basically have the whole structure of an organization built into like the kind of plot of the novel. Yeah, I do. And the, <laughs> that's, that's, that, yeah, he's got a lot more yes. than that. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> do I though? Um, yeah, uh, it's four books and it's the four ranks of this mercenary company. Yeah, and it's super cool because you start with a protagonist who's at the bottom rank. She's like literally a, a rat, is what she's they not call literally her. a rat. Okay. Well, but they call them rats. She's a figurative rat, and also like the rattiest of the <laughs> she's rats. She's literally a figurative rat. <laughs> <laughs> but her rank is literally rat. Yes. yes. Thank you, everyone. Um, <laughs> just keeping you honest, Carter. An- another example of a book that uh, just came out uh, this last year is The Poppy War by R.F. Mm. Quang. Um, and it's like like the main character, you follow her all the way from her like studying really hard to get into the school yeah. and then getting and then rising up the ranks in the school. And then mm-hmm. she like starts getting into the actual military. It's so, like, like a military school and she kind of rises up there. A few things... I find more satisfying than reading about a character who's like studying really hard and then yeah. just takes a test. I don't know why, but that I sounds, love that. It that starts awesome. from the bottom and succeeds against yeah. all the odds. It, totally. it validates our education, maybe yeah, in a, a little way. Bit, it's maybe. Like, oh yeah, yeah. That history degree was worth something. It was totally no. <laughs> well, not no, it was not. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually like the the actual part of like reading about them, like staying up all night and like <laughs> drinking an really energy working drink. For it. I don't know. Yeah, because she has to memorize like reams and reams and reams yeah, of yeah. subject matter. Yeah. It's yeah, it's cool. it's strangely satisfying and it's really cool. You'd probably like it, Carter. Is my I, point. It's not, I've heard a lot of good things about that book actually. It's, like, it's kind of new, right? Yeah. 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 It came out in twenty eighteen. Well I think people love to read about work because it's ninety five percent of what <laughs> That's a good point. everyone does, yeah. right? In in society. Well and, and, the, char- and the characters letters. achieve something too, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> We're all in the same game. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. I wonder if it's because like our brains are so like capitalism poisoned that like like the idea of like a character <laughs> like, <Hold> on. <laughs> the the idea of like a character getting a promotion is like the coolest possible thing. I mean, oh, it's so satisfying. Yeah. But I think someone, if you think about who's going to be reading a science fiction book, you know, people that read will probably be goal oriented, will be motivated, will be climbing ladders themselves, will be educated and I'll I'm, I'm not goal refle- oriented. Reflected back to themselves. For sure. I, I also think though it like hits that little part of our brains that like, you're like, oh, you accomplished this goal. It's the same thing as like leveling up in a video game. You yeah. accomplish this goal and you get a little yeah, cookie and then you're like, we're going to the brain. next one. And yeah. like, or like Cub Scouts, you're going to get a new yeah. patch. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's Pavlovian. Just, yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
But it also, it only works when it works in the structure of the story, right? If it's just about the leveling, you, you know, you don't care about it. But if you're engaged in the character, then the levels start to matter. And then it becomes a real, you know, then, then it starts to take hold. Right. And like Chelsea said, especially if you like learn new things about like the world or the organization that they're in or other characters or the greater conflict as they go, like that's... That's the good stuff. That is the, the good, good stuff. stuff. That is the good stuff. The I other, think, the other good stuff that I think you could have is from a from a craft perspective is um, kind of watching the level of competency and familiarity with the world, like you know, shrink and grow over time, and watching characters you know have to deal with different areas that they thought that they were competent in, and it turns out they were not at all as they're you know introduced to new levels of knowledge. Yeah, and I, it, there's like. You know, it's not like the only arc that I like either. I mean, like one of my fave authors, China Mieville, always does the opposite thing where like his protagonists always get progressively more confused as the story goes on. And so like, do his readers. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's cool too. I like that as well. But I, I also like seeing, you know, somebody level up and gain. And I think that um, Lucy pointed this out off mic. I think like YA books do this really well. Like they kind of like link you with the protagonist, almost like you're sort of a stand in for the character. And then the character gains more skills and more powers and more knowledge. And it's a good structure for YA books because they're at mm-hmm. the house, they're making their way in the real world, and the real world is tough. And yeah, like teenagers connect to that because they're in the same boat, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's not about family dynamics anymore, it's about survival. Totally. Anton, you've been strangely quiet. <laughs> it's a little really? bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the thing that I like is when I'm reading something and I realize that the authors are following all of these rules that we talk about. And so the, the example that I have is um, the Marlon James, the book, The Black Leopard, Red Wolf, which is the first in the series, I think. And I got halfway through the book and I realized, oh, this is, oh, that's the turn. And it's, this is a great, this is my great, this is my personal great. I love that I recognize it. You know, it's that <laughs> solitary moment where I'm like, oh, I can recognize the genius of Mozart here because I know these rules. But it's also, I, I just, it's a satisfying to know that, you know, a Booker Prize winning author is following all of the same rules that we talk about here yeah, all the it's time. It's not just some like nebulous bullshit. This isn't some bullshit that we're just making up work. and spouting off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These, are, these are legit rules that <laughs> legit writers follow. And I'm just, it's satisfying to know like, oh, okay, I am actually working towards something and learning something. And this isn't just, yeah, just me mouthing off, you know? I mean, it's a little bit of that, too. It's mostly that. But, you know, there's like 10% of, like, rules yeah. that you have to follow. Well, but but it is, a, I mean, your point is is very valid. I mean, it's like there are, first of all, as we've said, I think, many times, there's no rules. But, like, there are guidelines that you can follow. Like, if you learn how to plot a seven-point structure or whatever, it can help you. Yeah write something that's coherent in a way that we recognize as a novel or whatever, yeah. you know? And that and it is really cool to study, you know, we've been working on this, like, yeah, forever as a, as a team, <laughs> individually, like, trying to, like, learn structure and learn how to, like, yeah. plot and all that stuff. And it is very satisfying when you're like, oh, I've made some progress. I recognize this I can moment. see that's, it now in the I real like world. Too, yeah. yeah, so that was, that was my great. It was fun. No, but that's a good one. I've had that experience in books and movies now, too. Yeah, it's, movies for sure. I'm suddenly in movies. I'm like, oh, it's the midpoint. I'm like, oh, it's halfway through the movie. <laughs> like, ah. Ding dong. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> shocker. <laughs> yeah. well, it's this crazy when you start to see how many of them yeah. Follow those rules. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, this incident is inciting something. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate all of you out there. And this uh, this has been a lot of fun. A lot of come back next season. Blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, come back for season four. There's a very season. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna next week. So oh, we're, we're, <laughs> it was always we originally. To talk to you about that, Carter. It was always, always originally planned oh, as a quadrilogy. I just, Carter, I just want to go home. <laughs> Carter just jumped out the window. <laughs> they won't let me stop. <laughs> Anton is the poet. Carter is the longer here. Yeah. Season four will We've be small. We've learned so much. We've all changed as characters. All right. Well, thanks for following along, and we'll see you soon. We'll thanks see everybody. you all next season. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to The Genre Hustle. You can find us on our website, www.genrehustle.com, on Twitter at Genre Hustle, or on Instagram at Genre Hustle. Our podcast is available on all major streaming platforms, including YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, and send any feedback or suggestions our way. See you next time.